0: Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. And I was looking forward to today. Kind of a a shortened show after the World Series. I had Chick-fil-A plans. I had... I I, I seemingly had the whole day set up really well and then Mother Nature decided to say uh, Philadelphia does not deserve baseball today. And uh, that's why we're here for a full edition of the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm Josh Pacheco, Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. We'll see you tomorrow morning. All of our guests, when they appear, they do so, courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Uh, Coming up in about an hour, we will reveal another week of our uh, Mountain West Power Rankings. I think there is no doubt who is number one, and the uh, Mountain West Conference Player of the Week Awards bear that out. The question is, who's number two? That intrigue uh, coming up in about an hour. We will also reconvene the food court today because... Well, um, thanks to the rain out, we got to find out some of the good old offerings at Citizens Bank Park this year. And one of them is a burger that uh, I, I think will really split people down the middle of, uh, of of what they like in their burger. Hint, do you want peanut butter in your burger? Uh this for you coming up uh, a little bit later on in the program programming note by the way because of the World Series raining out today uh, games three four and five now Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday so uh, we were gonna be here Thursday regardless of the World Series uh, well actually I wasn't gonna be here Thursday uh, we were gonna have some fill-ins here on Thursday because I've got uh, I've got other things to do but instead uh, we will now have the World Series on game uh, game five on Thursday uh, Friday is now a travel day so we'll be with you Friday. Uh, to lead you up to uh, Rainbow Wahine Volleyball from Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Game 6 is now Saturday, if a Game 6 is needed. Uh, And, of course, if there is a Game 6, we'll have it on CBS 1500. And a Game 7 potentially now falls on a Sunday. Uh, And if that happens, that will be right here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, you can get in touch with us our Twitter, at Josh on the radio, our uh, text line, the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420, and you can call into the show at 808-296-1420. Uh, a, a fun football weekend, uh, depending what your definition of fun is and uh, what you find uh, in football, whether uh, you can take being competitive as fun or frustrating, however uh, you decide to do so. I can tell you where, where, where I land on it. Um, Hawaii and Wyoming, which I guess is, is where we will start, and um, that was more along the frustrating side than the fun side. Although I, I'll, I'll get to the football in a little bit. I know there were some criticisms from people on social media about the uh, the size of the student section, at, uh, at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, for example, um, Dave Shoji on social media, and I believe Tanner responded to to Dave Shoji on Twitter. Uh, Dave Shoji took a picture of his seats, his, uh, I'm assuming, what, 25, 30-yard line seats? Because every seat's a good seat. Uh, taking a picture of the student section, all, oh, I don't know, um, 100 of them? Maybe 125? Is that a good count? Yeah. And it said, "The students must be studying tonight." Well, if 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 they're studying uh, costumes, then sure, they're probably studying. Uh, I I know there's a lot of uh, I I saw a lot of that stuff on uh, on social media. Let's 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 not feel like football wins all, folks. Um, students on Halloween weekend. I almost expect them to go out and have fun and be in an area where maybe they don't feel like they're so confined. Like, you know, one of those things that I I don't know. I know there was like a block party downtown, I think, on Saturday. I think there were some other things that happened. Um, You know, I would hate for students to be like, oh, I'm here. But if I want to eat, okay, I'm going to spend this much. If I want to drink, I'm going to spend this much. Um, I could be at the dorms having a party or I could be at a block party downtown and the drinks and the food are probably cheaper if they have them. And uh, I can be along with my friends. Um, And, oh, also part of it is I don't want to sit next to Cartman in the corner in the student section. No offense to Cartman. I'm glad Cartman was there for the entire game. Uh, Cartman Cartman Cartman, uh, Cartman from South Park someone dressed as him and he probably took up about three seats uh, because that's how big the costume was um, but I am not gonna gonna rain on the students uh, and I, literally rain on the students there is that too uh, I'm not gonna do it and I hope you don't as well I, I think this show uh, we tend to kind of look out toward those who are a little younger than the demo. Or in the younger part of the demo, and kind of relate a little bit, and I feel like it's okay to relate just a tad to those that on a Saturday night, um, you know, a football game in which your team might score 20 points, or which, uh, or in another instance where you go to a party and you might see 20 of your friends. Oh, I don't know, score. Um, you know, take your pick. That said, um, what what was what's tough about it was. That was such a good night. Uh, you know, you had the 1992 team celebrated. Uh, we were part of the, uh, the the party that happened before the game, uh, right outside a club gym. That was a lot of fun. It's good to meet some of those guys and and share some of those stories and see the team photo. And you know, it was a lot of them. It wasn't everybody, but it was enough who could make it. Uh, you know, that was that was pretty neat. That was a cool experience to be around. And then there was a, you know, the the, the cooler thing though was between the first and second quarter. We knew there was going to be the presentation, um, for the 1992 team on the field. But what was really cool was, you know, between quarters. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of times, you know, teams are going to, um, they're going to spend their time with their coaches. They're going to be on the sideline. No, a lot of those guys were, you know, out there dapping it up with the, the, the team from 30 years ago. And that's a little bit different. Um, where you are so used to just kind of zoning in on what you're doing and just you know eliminating everything else from what's going on, to just you know take that moment and and, and appreciate what's going on. Um, yeah, you know, it only takes you 30 seconds out of your two and a half minute between quarters break, but to take a little bit of that time and and uh, be able to, to to celebrate and and recognize those on in, in that end uh, is pretty cool to me. And um, it was it was really nice to see that. It's a little bit different. It's not something that that is normal, um, but it was cool. And uh, you know, and unfortunately, that could not lead to a win. Uh, but it led to a nice experience, and I think it led to uh, to a nice appreciation of what Hawaii football was, not only uh, what Hawaii was, but where what. And where it came from, and and I hope for some people that they take that bigger picture out of 1992 and prior to that 1991, and take that bigger picture thinking uh, and, and try to apply it just a little bit uh, to this 2022 team, and uh, and and apply it forward to 2023 and maybe 2024. That I know football has evolved a lot in 30 years. But that doesn't necessarily mean that how you're successful or what it takes to be successful, that doesn't necessarily mean that's changed. It, it doesn't entirely mean that, you know, the expectation to be good, um, you know, quickens the clock. I, I'm still a believer that it, it does take time. Um, you know, that it is, it is okay to expect that you know for me three years you know and, and I and I remember the 1992 team you know to to each of them um you know both in 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 the players that we talked to during countdown to kickoff th- they both said go back to go back to 1991 and look back at how that you know that team was not very good and they all got together and said, you know what, 1992, we're going to be better. Um, You know, they challenged themselves. and, And granted, you know, there are some other things that go into it. But look at that journey to go from a team that struggles to a team that won a conference. I'm not saying that the 2023 iteration of Hawaii football is going to be like 1992 uh, or 1991 or ni- you know or or anything um you know anything close to that i I, I think my point is you got to be along for the ride you you've you got to be along for the process you know there was a process I think when you go back to 1991 and 1992 that um when, when you think about it, a lot of it was, hey, we, we got to do our own gut check here. We we got to internalize uh, what's important to us. We've got to be, um, you know, we we we've, we've got to be better. We've got to we've got to be the change first. And um, you know, the coaches are going to challenge us as they always have, and they will continue to. But we we've got to be that change first. And I I think you'll see that within this group. Um, and and that challenge within themselves, and and ultimately moving forward, um, you know, I, I think you'll see the talent evolve. But I tried to find, it, you know, thinking back, and and we could spend a lot of time on the game, and, and we will. We've got three hours. We initially were going to have about thirty minutes. Um, we're we're going to have a lot of time on the game, but I but I also thought it was kind of important to to think back on the process, and um, you know try to find similarities and differences from 1992 to now and granted talent wise is completely different so I don't even want to look at at similarities on the field but in in story and I think you can find the potential path to that story as coaching improves as um, you know as 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 recruitment improves, uh, in and out of the uh, of of the transfer portal and and finding freshmen and JUCO guys, um, you know, as all that happens, you know, can you write that similar story? And uh, I think the hope is that this Hawaii team can, that they can use this year, and, and you know, unfortunately, think of this year like 1991, um, and and try to try to continue to build on the foundation and continue to build and grow. Kind of like, uh, uh, you know, a 1992, make 2023 your your 1992 type of year. It's going to take a lot of buy-in. Uh, it's going to take a, a, a lot of work, I think, to structure offensively what you want to be at that point in time. And, uh, you know, that continues to be one of the things that I think really stick out from from Saturday's game is that offensively there is just this kind of push and pull as to are we aren't we are we moving toward the run and shoot are we not moving toward the run and shoot are we good with our tempo or not good with our tempo are we overthinking the process or are we not thinking enough. Um, are we doing the things that are successful or are we trying too hard to come up with something that's successful when we have something that kind of is, Um uh, that's, that is still out of all that, all the storyboard stuff. That is still the one thing that, that sits in front of me today is trying to figure out, all right, um, what are we? And we'll talk about the offense coming up in, in just a little while, because, uh, I don't even know that I could say this is a tale of two halves it wasn't really a tale of two halves it almost felt like a tale of uh, a, a tale of wondering was everybody on the same page with what works and what doesn't work and I'm also left with a growing question mark about because I I, I I hear stuff about the red shirt rule and, and uh, you know, making sure guys get their four games and no more so you can red shirt them for the upcoming year. I, I know there's some of that stuff too, but um, there is still an expectation to win now. And it is such a delicate balance. It's also a balance I really hate having to dance with. Oh, well, we've got a lot of that to cover over the next two hours and change. Here on the Sports Animals on ESPN, Honolulu at ninety two point seven FM and fourteen twenty a.m. But we'll we'll when we come back, we'll talk about the 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 offensive part of this conversation because I, I think that is um that is the one that is sticking out right now is offensively, where is the mindset of this team in what it believes it works? And is this offense trying too hard or is this offense just not aware of what really does work. That and more coming up after we take a look at surf. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Plenty to dive in on, on uh, Hawaii and Wyoming from the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex on Saturday night, and you can dive in as well. Our number, 808-296-1420 via the the, the normal phone and the text line. Boy, that sounded really old manish of me. Uh, The Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. I want to focus in on offense Because I I think that is still where um, Hawaii's growth is ultimately going to come from. Hawaii's defense is doing yeoman's work. I I can't uh, find too much fault with that defense. It's getting tired. It is spending a lot of time on the field. I'm seeing guys like Peter Manuma just playing uh, extraordinary football on the defensive end, um yeah, I, I am super proud of that young man um doing what he is doing when um you know he very uh very easily could have could have had a much harder time I, I think with with some of the personal stuff going on. He he's been incredible. Um Peter Manuma right now is pro I mean between him um Logan Taylor led the team in tackles again with eight last night or Saturday night. I mean, your MVPs in this team are both on the defensive end between uh, between those two. Uh, Manu Ma with a couple of picks had uh, five total tackles. I'm sorry, Logan Taylor had eight solo tackles. He had 13 tackles total. Second consecutive game with double-digit tackles for Logan Taylor. And just to think, we didn't see him for most of last year because of injury, and prior to that, he was a DB and playing special teams. Uh, now he's in the linebacking core, and he's been he's been great, um, and 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 uh, and I'm glad we get to kind of highlight a, a defense that has been really good. But I I I want to focus in a little bit more on forget the word identity. I, I still hear people using it. I think we've gone past figuring out what is Hawaii's identity. Let's let's stop with that. Let let's let's stop with the identity term. Um, I think we need to talk a little bit more about what, what, what this coaching staff believes is successful. There was a point in time, and, and I think I said it with Arnold Martinez in our halftime show, three consecutive punts. Um, you know, Hawaii had the football for just four possessions in the second half, and part of that, you know, Hawaii had a good long drive of its own. But you know, Wyoming was doing a really nice job of the football. And of the four uh, second half series that Hawaii had, a touchdown which came awfully late with under two to go, you had the field goal to start the third quarter. And and, and frankly, that that field goal drive, I, I I looked at that drive and thought, okay, well well maybe um, this is a good sign for Hawaii's offense, you, you put up a 13 play drive that, okay. Um, I'm, I'm seeing success. You know, you, you mix in, um, you know, a couple of passes that, that Braden Shager completed, you get the run in there, you know, really good. And then I I look past that and, and I will, um, I'll, I'll go to several key plays. I think here, um, in the in, in the fourth quarter, that kind of make me wonder. For example, what are we what are we looking at when it comes to success? Are we are we riding the right keys on this offense uh, to to get to success? I'll look at the the third and one in the fourth quarter uh, when Hawaii, after a couple of Diedrich Parson runs, you have a third and one at the thirty seven. You know, Braden Shager struggled to throw the football. He struggled, um, and and I am thinking in that situation. Okay, maybe that's you know they decide to throw on on third and one. It ultimately was broken up by by Wyatt Eckler. That was, I mean, Eckler did a great job defensively. I mean, he came in on the near side and timed it, broke it up really nicely, defended well. Played by Wyoming's defense. I am wondering at that point. You've got a quarterback who, for the game, by the way, goes twenty three of forty five. Um, the numbers at, at half were woeful. And if I'm seeing you know, a, a, a rushing attack, Tylen Hines was, was solid. Dedrick Parson was a tougher day for him. Um, my rushing attack got me to a third and one. Why don't I trust my rushing attack on third and one at your own 37 early in the fourth quarter when you still very much have a chance? You, you throw an incomplete pass, now you're punting it away. Next thing you do... You, uh, you give up a 61-yard touchdown run from uh, from McNeely that really kind of you know, that that gave Wyoming the lead there in the fourth quarter, and then I I look at that next drive and I see a lot of Tylen Hines. You know, he gets that big gain for for 18 yards right out of the gate. But I'm thinking there, okay, well, you know, go back to him. Go back to the running attack. It's clear that the running attack is working. You know, it throws, they, they throw an incomplete on the next play. Um, you know, they get a completion later. And then after a couple of running plays, a couple more incompletions, and then you have a, a, a fourth and seven in which Wyoming's coverage is very good. They, they pass it to Chucky Hines, who's nowhere near the first down marker, turn it over on downs. The running game... Is helping you get to where you need to go, and then you start to question: Is the pass game following suit? Is the passing game putting you in a better position, um, you know, to succeed there? And you know, that last drive was was probably a little bit better, but I think in part and parcel, you had to throw it at at that point. Um, you're you're up against the clock. You're down twenty-seven thirteen. You know, the running game is out of the picture. But there are several key drives in that second half where I'm wondering, you know. Are you seeing the right things that you believe will help you to be successful over the course of the game or um, you know are you are you kind of just married to something and and maybe not necessarily looking to kind of adjust on the fly as the game is going on to what really is working and I and I really did kind of feel like, Um, in, in watching that, I didn't feel like there was a really good read on what Wyoming's defense was doing and how it was really impacting Hawaii's play calling. And and I thought Kanoa and Rich made a good point today on their show in sports center in a second. Um, it seemed like scripted plays good after you get past the script, kind of questionable sports center on the other side. It's ESPN Honolulu. Great to have you in. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Again, we're here uh, because of the rain out of Game 3 of the World Series. You will hear that coming up tomorrow. Uh, Our coverage begins at 1 here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Brennan texts in via the Zephyr Insurance text line uh, who says, My first demographic told me to sit down. Uh, We were talking earlier about the uh, student section not being there. And, um, uh, I said, I didn't have a problem with it. Uh, you'd love for them to be there, but it's also Halloween weekend. You know, they the, those kids are young. They want to be fun. They want to have a good time. And, uh, you know, if they're not at a football game where you're, 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 confined to, to, to food that sometimes is a little overpriced and drinks that sometimes are a little overpriced and, uh, you can have a party at your dorm or go to a block party and kind of feel like you're free a little bit. I don't blame them. Um, you know, I don't and I don't really like to take things out on students anyway. Uh, they're allowed to have fun. They're young. So, um, you know, I was a little surprised at, at, at some of the heat for that. And I, I think I said it to someone in the booth. Hey, Cartman stayed till the end of the game. He was probably one of about 30 students left in the student section at the end of the game, but he was in, like, that far corner by the tunnel And uh, I think with the size of his costume, I don't think Cartman wanted to leave. I think he was kind of good just being there, but Cartman stayed, you know, and and good for those that were there and supported um, some of them in costume. Cool. Uh, I'm not going to hold everybody to the uh, to the same standard just because, uh, you know. Football's playing. Everything else stops. Uh, I don't think everything works that way. But anyway, Brennan says my first demographic told me to sit down. Thought we were done with that. Um, what I mean by demographic, Brennan, by the way, is more on the uh, you know radio stations. Believe it or not, have demographics like who you kind of target towards um, when you you know, you, you play a certain kind of music or you um, you know sports talk tends to to lean toward a certain type of person. So. Um that's what we mean by that. But anyway, Brennan said Pep Squad finally made their way to Diamond Head section with 3 minutes left. Still can't see anything when the teams are on the Eva end. That needs to be addressed ASAP. Nonetheless, let's go Warriors. Uh yeah, I I don't know that seating um uh, that seating spot. So I don't know about not seeing anything on the Eva end. Um I know, I honestly, I spent I spent more time on the field just kind of grabbing the vibe. Uh, no, nobody got by the sideline that wasn't allowed to be there like a couple of weeks ago. And no, I don't believe there was anybody who got tackled trying to get on the field illegally. Uh, so I, I think things were better this week. But uh, uh There are going to be things I think as, um, we get into the off season, obviously they've got to expand the seating They're They're hoping to get the Aloha stadium scoreboard in that, um, you know, a lot of, I think what you're talking about will likely be, uh, be addressed. So, uh, don't worry. Uh, I, I think some of the things that you're talking about, I don't know if everything, but I think a lot of things will, will, will be looked at going into the upcoming year. Um, We've spent a lot of time offensively and, uh, you know, on the offense, offensively on the offense, after uh, Hawaii's lost to Wyoming. And um, I, I think we can't lie about what the stat line showed. Uh, Braden Shager, at times, looks fine. Uh, there are times where he's anything but. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious you know when i when i looked at that stat line and and remind me remind me tanner was it 10 of 25 or was it 11 of 25 in the first half it was something it, it was somewhere along those lines it was um it, it it was abysmal and you know hawaii at that point it was it was a 10-10 game hawaii was in the game despite the fact that you know, its offense really was not able to do very much, um, you know, through the air. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact number on on hand, but I know it wasn't pretty, and I and I know we spent some some time talking about it. And and I'm looking through um you know, the the, the last couple of games and I'm looking at what, what Hawaii has done, not not on the ground, but I'm looking at what Hawaii's done through the air. And it's left me to kind of wonder. Uh, it what's very clear, you know. Braden Shaker has thrown. Well, he was uh, just a little over two hundred yards this uh, this last game. One seventy three against Colorado State was was eighteen of thirty. Um, Thirteen of twenty five for a buck seventy three against Nevada. I think you're starting to get my drift on on where we're going. the 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 numbers here are not necessarily great from the passing game. Like I I cannot take shots at the running game because Tylen Hines and Dedrick Parson have done a really nice job, and the offensive line has has done some good work for him. The running game, I think, does not get my concern, but I'm I'm left wondering what has happened here in the last month because at the beginning of the year, we seem to not be settled at quarterback where you were seeing, um, you know, Shager at the beginning of the year, but you weren't just seeing Braden Shager um, at the beginning of the year. It, it wasn't just him. Um, you were also seeing... Uh, a, a little bit later on, you were seeing some of Joey Yellen. You know, it wasn't really until what? Was it week five, I think it was, that you finally kind of settled in on uh, on a quarterback. But I, I'm wondering, is it still that way now? And if it is, should it be? Because nothing of, of what Hawaii is offensively, or I shouldn't say nothing, but the passing game has not really, in the last couple of weeks, elevated Hawaii. I, I'd make the argument that as Hawaii came off the bye week, there were certain elements of the run and shoot. I think that were being kind of implemented in with tempo, and and uh, you know and, and routes and stuff that I I thought were, you know, really kind of giving Shaker a little bit of confidence. And I think you saw it at times, but it's 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 in little spurts. I have yet to see a good chunk of a full game in which um, he has been remarkably good. And I realize that we're asking a lot of not just every quarterback in the quarterback room, but we are asking an awful lot of every offensive player in that room to pick up concepts of an offense in the middle of a season. It's kind of unfair. Uh, but it is the expectation that they've been given right now. And if, if it's not consistently working, I, I think where I'm trying to get at is, if it's not consistently working with Braden Shager, is he still that far ahead of a Joey Yellen, for example, that when the offense seems to be very much, I don't want to say completely one-dimensional, but decently one-dimensional, where the passing game is continuously inconsistent and the running game is what is kind of holding you together. Um, Is Braden Shaker that far ahead of every backup quarterback that unless it's a big blowout that's happening – you won't really consider putting in a backup. I also realize part of um part of things last week is that it was it was a close game and it's kinda hard to make significant changes in a close game. But I am also in the belief of, hey, you've got what, two wins and Right now, your season really is, you know, forget about conference. I I know it feels like you have nothing left to lose or nothing or not very much to lose, given your record. But sometimes you kind of need to do something to, to, to offer up a little bit of a spark. Shager, once again, by the way, is QB1 on the depth chart, is released earlier today with Joey Yellen right behind him at number two. And I don't know if any other quarterback would be better. I I don't know the answer to that. But I'm wondering if at some point in time, Braden Shager's not... um, uh, He may be the closest thing to what you're looking for, but it's not... I'm not getting four quarters of good Braden Shager. I may be lucky to get two in a game given what they're trying to implement and and, and what they're trying to make the offense look like. And, And honestly, that's... That's not good. And, you know, part of me just kind of wonders, are we trying to hold on to that for consistency? Or is there the belief that, yeah, maybe there is someone who, who you could try to get in there for a spark of some kind? With the record that Hawaii has... Don't really have a lot to lose, and um, you know, in in these close games, all of these conference losses that are that are decided by a a, a possession. You know, I I I know the frustration kind of starts to mount a little bit, and I think you could hear it in Timmy Chang's voice at halftime when he spoke to our Hunter Hughes. I think you could hear it a little bit at the end of the game when he spoke with, uh, with not only Scott Robs on the uh, Spectrum Sports broadcast, but also to reporters at the end of the game. You know, the, the one-score losses, the frustration in those one-score losses really do add up. But I'm also a believer that if you keep falling short in the same painstakingly frustrating kind of ways and you continue to go about them the same way then are you setting yourself up even more so for the same thing or can you put yourself in a position that a shake up a mix up can maybe revitalize can maybe refresh the mood because more often than not, and it's like in any workplace, in any workplace, if you keep doing the same thing and the same thing leads to the same result, the same thing here being um, you know, good to above average running play consistently from the running backs that you put on the field consistently, um, you know, average is probably the nice way of putting it, uh, average quarterback play in the system you're trying to accomplish out there on the field and the losses are still there by one possession or less, if all of that is the same thing week after week, and you keep going that way, then likely the same thing's going to happen week after week. What's the script we keep writing? First half, Hawaii plays a, a, a good complete half of football. I don't know that I'd go that route in this game. I'd say a good chunk of the first half, Hawaii's offense was fine, running game was good, passing game was not. Defense did its job in the first half, as we've kind of come to expect. What do we start talking about in the second half? In the second half, offense labors, doesn't score in the second half, and except for that field goal, and then you get the touchdown late. Um, but But the defense is on the field a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, Uh, You know, especially that seven-minute, seven-and-a-half-minute drive to start the third quarter, the five-minute drive in the fourth quarter, uh, both those drives led to a combined 10 points in the second half. Hawaii gives up 17 points in the second half. You find yourself, once again, in the same place. It's the same story arc. It's almost the same script. And is as frustrating as it is to watch um as it probably is to experience on the sideline and between the lines that's i think the overarching uh you know thing that the coaches going into this weekend at Fresno State Jake Haner's back how do you break that how do you break another one possession loss. how do you break um you know another second half of, of inconsistent offensive football? how do you break uh, you know the fact that your defense is spending a lot of time on the field? how do you break all of those things that w- that people have been kind of accustomed to, to being around um you know the last month Wyoming has the football 33 minutes. That's, that's a lot of time. How do you break that? Because if you can't break that, and you're continuously seeing the same thing after same thing after same thing after same thing, now we start talking a little bit more about coaching. Then it's not just about execution. It's not just about play between the lines and missed tackles and missed assignments and all of those things. Now we're talking a little bit more about coaching. And now we're talking about, do you know how to break something um, that is attempting to break your team? That's the challenge. Get to your text messages at 808-296-1420. Your reaction to Saturday's loss against Wyoming, the look ahead to Fresno State, and our Mountain West Power Rankings. That's coming up at the top of the next hour. You are listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. All right, coming up, our Mountain West Power Rankings. We know who's at one. Who's at two is uh, is the big question, and uh, how do we sort out the bottom three? That's coming up in just a little while. Our first look at traffic is uh, coming up in just a little while, too, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and, uh, and 1420 AM. Uh, real quick. From our Twitter, at Josh on the radio, at Koa underscore Nguyen Nguyen. Not the uh, Not the real one, um, but uh, this is this this is not AKA. This is K.A. Says, uh, not only what you are saying it is good, but that these frustrating close losses are happening at home. Says, think it's sports media that brought up identity. Populists don't talk like that. That's not true, because I've heard it in people called in the fans' voice. Uh, can hear it in head coach's voice. He's checking head coach classifieds already. I don't think so there says uh recall if you call the coaches ago a uh, head coach mentioned his kids mentioning reno you know no i don't no i don't reno don't know uh don't know where that came oh because th- is that what it is because they were born there i i don't i don't know i i don't know where the tweet's coming from tanner can you can you decipher
1: i guess He's referring to because Timmy and his family lived there for a couple of years because, you know, he worked there for a couple of years. So I don't think it's that far fetched to think that the family is like, oh, yeah, we remember Reno fondly because we did a lot of community outreach. I don't think there's too much to read into that. Yes, yeah, Timmy that... has also said, I want this to be my first and last head coaching job. So, right. We know where his heart is.
0: Yeah, um, I'm surprised. I, you know, I'd never really thought about it because it never really registered to me as anything to think about. Which is why I guess I'm a little surprised to, uh, to, to see that coming up on the text line. But I, uh, I, I do appreciate the text. Uh, you know, got in here a little bit before the show. My, my, my whole day's plan was, you know, we got the World Series. Uh, you know, it gives me most of the afternoon off. Uh, outside of doing just the other work stuff, figured. Uh, Chick-fil-A. Um, I've been there. Obviously, I, I travel. Uh, I'll be traveling again here soon. And, uh, you know, when I've, when I've traveled, usually there's a Chick-fil-A nearby. That's one of the, the, the kind of interesting things about uh, when you go to a lot of the, the campuses in California that maybe like a minute from the gym. Or, you know, you drive by one of those like little little mall areas where the students can go to. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Uh, or, 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 or something else, but, um, anyway, um, got to go. I mean, I've gone. It was my wife's first time, um, having that. So, so we went to the one at, uh, at Moana cause it's open. Tanner, you went, I think it was last week, uh, not long after it opened. I gotta say, um, props, you know, the, the, there's a line that it looks kind of like, uh, intimidating, but honestly, got to the line, got my food, ten minutes, maybe twelve. Um, Through and, and in that experience, that was really good. A uh, former University of Hawaii football player, uh, Kurt Milne, is is, uh, is franchising it out, and another former Hawaii football player, uh, Keiko Lama Francis, is is the manager at that one. And uh, yeah, I was I was impressed, and and uh, got my food knocked it down there sitting there, not coming here to eat it, sitting there, got back here before the show. Um I know it's it's kind of like the cultural thing now. Hey, Chick-fil-A's open, everybody's gotta go. So, you know, decided even though I've had it like a, a bazillion times while traveling, I'll take part in it this time. And uh yeah. What what was what was your experience by the way?
1: You know, I do gotta say uh Me and my family all made a pact with each other. We're like, we're not going to go. Because just due to a lot of, you know, all of the other stuff that goes on in the background, we're like, we're just not going to do it. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I cracked. (laughs) And I got to say, I got to say, their chicken is pretty good. Wait, did, did, have you told them that you, okay. And I've been rightfully shamed. (laughs) <laughs> but yet, at the same time, me and my cousin were talking about it. We have very similar experiences. We're like, "Oh, we can't go there," you know. But then we go and we're like, "Okay," but like, it's really good.
0: Okay. Follow up question, by the way. Um, how long did it take for you to admit that you cracked?
1: Uh, I waited a couple days. I waited till after church. <laughs> And I went up to my dad, who is a priest, <laughs> and I said, "I do have to confess."
0: <laughs> oh, I, that was but, well played.
1: But I did pay in cash, so I don't know if that helps the process with anything. I don't know how that helps anything. Uh, but how is that supposed to help? anything? I don't know.
0: That's uh, was that your, I guess your, so. The
1: government your... doesn't know that I was there.
0: Well, but you were, but you you were honest and you said something, so it really doesn't matter at this point. Uh, they will find you your fingerprints here you'll play the X-Files music your fingerprints are on the dollar bill if it's they one will find thing, you
1: if it's one thing that I know is that the IRS knows
0: everything <laughs> this is very true <laughs> but yeah I uh, uh it, it's good to come into a show even even a show that really on just a couple of hours notice uh you, you get get to put a lot into it's good to feel a little refreshed and uh, and and feel like you're you've got a fresh start to the day.
1: I'll say Ikaiko runs a tight ship. He does. He does. Really efficient. It only took me like 20 minutes from from getting into line and to getting in there. It was a, it was way faster than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. Like obviously it's faster to go to any other place because there's no line. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but the 20 minute wait is pretty much nothing if you just you know if you're going there with a friend. Or, and you're you know, going with a purpose, purpose like you're
0: yeah. you're going for exactly that. You're not going for you're not browsing, uh, like like window shopping at a store you can't afford. Um, coming up, we will turn to the food court. Peanut butter, bacon burger, is this a food crime? That's coming up. But next, after Sports Center and a look at traffic. Uh, We'll unveil our Mountain West Power Rankings. That on the other side, I'm Josh Pacheco. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We'll convene the food court coming up in uh, about thirty minutes. Thanks to the uh, World Series rainout, ballpark food uh, once again the theme of our uh, our, our food court peak today. Uh, before we do the Mountain West power rankings, we go to our uh, our our uh, our text line Zephyr Insurance text line at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. I asked this question earlier. Um, what what I what I asked was is is look um. You have a quarterback right now for Hawaii football that earned the job about a month ago, but the performances have not really been consistently good. So what does that tell us about the situation currently? Like, Is he still clearly the best option, and that's why he's just been kind of stuck in that spot, or um, is there a reluctance to make a decision? What is there? And, and I feel like it's been, you know, look at the numbers, and I, and I think you can understand why you'd ask the question where the running game has held its own. The defense has held its own, for the most part. The running game's just, or the passing game, has kind of just been, been this inconsistent, um, unfortunate, you know, piece of, of you know, where Hawaii is currently. Chemo texts in uh, via our text line. Braden Shager is Hawaii's best quarterback right now. Shager and Yellen had chances to prove themselves early in the season. Shager performed better. Pulling out your best quarterback is not the answer. It is having Shager work through some of these challenges and growing through them. I know that this is frustrating, but Shager will get better in time and with experience. Um, you know, I I agree. He earned it early in the year. And honestly, up, uh, up until Saturday, um... You know, I was one of those people, kind of on the whole. Hey, um, you know, keep them out there, and keep working. You know, you you are working in a in an offense that's that's constantly kind of evolving. Yeah, keep them out there, you know, keep keep grinding, keep working. You're close. You know, I I have been like that. I and I think Saturday was one of the was the first time in which I kind of changed my tune on that and just kind of wondered, well, um, is that working? When you're this close, is is that what is working? And I get it. And 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 Tanner, um, you know, brings up the targets. Zion Bowens targeted twelve times. I think what catches four. Dior Scott targeted six times. Catches two. I know there are drops in that equation. It's not all single-handedly on the quarterback, um, but a lot of it still starts with him. And that's why you know, if if not obviously this coming week when you go to Fresno State, um, you know I I am left with kind of wondering. Well, um, you you kind of doesn't this kind of sit in the back of your mind with where the where the conference standings are, with where your season is, and and honestly, and tried trying to build the confidence of your team, you're so close and you're struggling to win the close games. Well, what are you gonna do? to try to get over the hump of winning these close games that right now you can't win. Because you know again, if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again to the same results, then, you know, honestly, what are what are you going to get out of it? And 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 how frustrating is that going to be? So that's that, that's that's why I look at this situation a little bit differently than maybe I normally would. Because normally I would say, yeah, he won it earlier in the year. You know, give him all the chances, chances he needs. I see the numbers and I see a lot of the other stuff, and I just, I, I, I just struggle to see it. I'm struggling right now when a lot of other areas are showing the kind of improvement that you can feel good about right now uh, on this team. All right, Mountain West Power Rankings. Let's do it. Um, Tanner, I always ask you first, uh, where do you want me to go? Do you want me to go bottom? Do you want me to go top with the three? Do you want me to go randomly in the middle? Uh, where would you like me to begin?
1: I think we all know what the bottom three is. Or oh, do you? Or at least three to four. I think there's a comfortability in what we know it's going to be down there. So let's go from the top. Okay.
0: Even though we already know who really is going to be at number one, right? We, we kind of know uh, Boise State's at number one. Uh, and right now carrying the mount- mantle for the mountain West, like old times, uh, this feels kind of familiar. It's a little bit different in how they've gotten there. Uh, but Boise state has earned the, uh, the opportunity to be at number one. I should also mention, uh, congratulations to their, uh, to their young quarterback for being named uh, mountain West offensive player of the, uh, of the week, Taylor green, who, uh, uh, 24 of 30, 305 yards, two touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown as well, single-game career highs and completions, passing yards, and completion percentage, and first freshman to earn Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week honors since December of 2020. I should also mention, by the way, Viliami Fehoko named Defensive Player of the Week from San Jose State, and uh, Wyoming's John Hoyland, uh, who was 2-for-2 two two in field goals, made all three of his uh, PATs he was named special teams player of the week. Uh, so yeah, Boise State at number one is pretty much an automatic. It's a really big question mark about what you do from two on down. And a lot of why this is such a question mark is there is a slate of games that I, I think made you kind of question. And, and there are also some games in which, um, or not games, but there are also some some teams that were off, Air Force notably, uh, was w- was off this weekend, but the games that I'm talking about, San Diego State should have beaten Fresno State. Uh, if not for not fielding an onside kick on an insane bounce on the onside kick, San Diego State probably wins. Did they win? No, they're four and four. You know, Maidens actually performed quite decently at quarterback for San Diego State given the circumstances. Uh, but Fresno State's back to 500 overall. They are uh, they're three and one in the Mountain West, and Jake Hayner back uh, throwing for 394. Nevada had San Jose State on the ropes in San Jose, and then uh, the Spartans come back and uh, they put up two touchdowns in the final six and a half minutes. Kyrie Robinson with a couple of touchdown runs. They tie the game with 6:29 left. They take the lead with 110 left and San Jose State defeats uh a, a Nevada team that hey was right there that would have shaken everything up but Nevada was right there with the opportunity to win. Totale had three touchdown runs but they blew it. And uh San Jose State now 5 and 2, 3 and 1 in conference. So this and and you know what? Wyoming. We have to talk about Wyoming for a moment too because the Cowboys are now 6 and 3. Uh they are 4 and 1 in the Mountain West. They're right behind Boise State. The thing about uh Wyoming right now is that they are they're they're kind of consistent. Boise State's consistently winning. Wyoming's kind of doing the same thing every week and now starting to find success. It's not perfect. It's not brilliant. But it's it's getting the job done, so um, you know, uh, yeah. I I I see Wyoming in that mix as well. So here's what we're gonna do. This is a long, lengthy way to kind of explain why the top three is just so really weird. Um, I am keeping San Jose State at two, uh, where I had them last week. I have Boise State at one, staying there. I have San Jose State at two, staying there. Um. You know the, the the come from behind win. You know, Shevin had good numbers. You know, I've I've got um, I I can't move them. You know, it's 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 good Moxie at home to show the ability to fight back in a in a topsy turvy Mountain West conference. Even though it, it was, I realized it was Nevada. Um, you know, I, I still have to recognize the fact that it you you, you still had to come back to win uh, with those final fourteen points in the final six and a half minutes. So, uh, San Jose State gets credit for that. Um I'm going to keep Air Force at 3. And um and, you know Air Force not playing seeing what Wyoming's doing, seeing what Fresno State's doing, it's it's really hard to judge and that's why I I again I I can't really move Air Force. Um I'll keep them there because I still believe when Air Force is running the football as well as they possibly can, They are a hard team to beat. They get air, uh, air. Army uh, next Saturday. Wake up really early for that. It's the only way they can get on CBS. 5.30 a.m. kickoff for Air Force and Army. Uh, And by the way, they're not playing that up in the Great Northeast. They're playing that in Arlington, Texas, at uh, the home site of one of the XFL's new teams, in Arlington, at Choctaw Stadium, which I believe Bob Stoops is coaching that team. Um, Air Force and Army is when you'll next see Air Force. So I'm I'm kind of good with keeping the top three where it is. Boise State, San Jose State, Air Force. That's not going to change. Um, and you know what? And, and usually I kind of avoid the middle, but I think the middle is part of this story. So I'm just going to kind of keep going down because of how interesting the top is. Because I do believe... Boise State has set itself apart a little bit. It's Boise State and then you've got a drop. And I think the drop between two and five, maybe even six, is really tight. San Jose State, Air Force, um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna keep Wyoming at four, uh, which I've struggled with, but at least in Wyoming's case, I know they were a double digit favorite against Hawaii, uh, Hawaii covers. Uh, you take the under you got that um, I don't care but uh hey hey if it worked for you it worked for you I could care less if you took the under and I could care less if uh, if 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 they covered doesn't matter to me one bit but at least with Wyoming what I got was was a consistency of that team with the occasional impact of the big play and they had a couple that uh, that were difference makers uh, you know, you gotta be able to win close games like that, and Wyoming's showing me that it can. So, uh, I have Wyoming at four. I put Fresno State at five, and I will wait one more week, by the way, on Fresno State to determine the uh the impact of uh of Hayner coming back because part of part of where I rank, part of where, where I vote, is the impact of players that are out. When you come back, you know how how does that have an impact as well? Um, look, Jake Hayner came back, and they nearly lost. That is not lost on me that they were at home wearing those blue uniforms, and nearly lost to Sandy uh, to San Diego State. And so, I, I I think that's important to kind of keep in mind when we when when we talk about that. Particular ranking. I if if they had won a little more easily against San Diego State, I would have moved them up a little bit more. Um, not willing to go there, so I have uh, uh, I've got Fresno State at five, then San Diego State. I moved down to six. Um, that was a game they should have won. I'm going to give San Diego State a little bit of credit too, because I uh, I, I do believe that that San Diego State. Um, with what they're doing with Jay with, with Maiden at QB, pretty impressive. Um, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by it to be honest, and they've kind of stuck with him, and, and he's turned out actually not bad here in the last few weeks. Uh, not a lot of change after that, uh, with the exception of the bottom three. I am updating the col uh, the, the bottom three. Uh, Colorado State right back to the rear. Um, they were at ten after beating Hawaii. Uh, they lose to Boise State, and I've got them back down to 12. Uh, Hawaii stays at 11. Uh, I move Nevada up to 10. Nevada had a chance to win at San Jose State, and yes, they blew it. I get it. Um, but one thing Nevada's been, and, and it's not lost on me here either, Nevada a couple of weeks ago should have beaten Colorado State, if not for its own self-inflicted wound on running into the kicker. Um, they would have won that game, frankly. They should have beaten San Jose State. So I I'll, I'll give them credit for that and uh and, and that's why I'll put uh Nevada back at ten. Uh Hawaii at eleven, Colorado State twelve. So uh power rankings, top three Boise State, San Jose State Air Force, bottom three, Colorado State twelve, Hawaii eleven, Nevada ten. Tanner Hayworth is giving some uh, pretty odd looks as I reveal this in studio. Oh, I should also mention UNLV 7, Utah State 8, New Mexico 9. Tanner, um, critiques. I know you have them.
1: Well, first of all, our seven eight nine is exactly the same.
0: Yeah, because, they well, they didn't play. So that's why didn't, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't move them.
1: I think my thing is this at this point of the Mountain West year, I think at this point I'm crediting winning. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I personally, like, I also have Boise State, San Jose. Yeah. At that point, I got to put the two teams with only one Mountain West loss. Okay. That's why I put Wyoming than Fresno State. Gotcha. I don't put Fresno State at three for the same reason that you're waiting on Fresno State, but I flip my reasoning around on you waiting on Fresno State. You say, Jake Haner was there. They still almost lost. Where's the effect of Jake Kaner? Mm-hmm. I say in that comeback win, that's the effect of Jake Kaner. If Jake Haner is not playing that game, I don't think that win happens. And sure, that last touchdown was on a hitch route. Mm-hmm. It was purely yak. But I think with Jake Hayner on the field, it pushes that level of play up. And unfortunately for Fresno State, they do lose their starting left tackle Dante Bolt to a this broken leg. True. Yeah. So I think putting them at four, I put San Diego State at five because with those five teams, I'm liking what I'm seeing whenever I see them play especially now with San Diego State, because mm-hmm. I'm loving Maiden. I'm loving his how he's connecting up with Jesse, with Shavers, and that defense is still, you know, solid, and they go against a really good Fresno State offense. Here, here's the, the reason heart. why I put yeah. Fresno State at six is because so many times you think they're supposed to be that best team, one of the better teams in the Mountain West, and yet you still see those... Apparent struggles on offense when they stuce, when they do start to get stopped. You have so you can who at six? At, sorry, you have who at six? Uh, Air Force. Oh, you have Air Force. Okay, yeah. So okay. I put them at that bottom of that top tier of the Mountain West because when you look at that game against Wyoming, I think for the beginning of the year you're like, okay, that's a fluke win for Wyoming. Mm-hmm. We'll see who they really are. We see who Wyoming really is right now. Yeah. Because even without Titus Wen who is presumably was out with an injury in the second half, apparently. With seeing how DQ James and DeWyon and that offensive line stepped up in part of a struggling in the air, at least, for Andrew Peasley, who had those two interceptions of the second quarter, they still showed that they had it in them to push through to get that win against Hawaii on Saturday. So I think with that, I feel very comfortable whenever I see Wyoming. That's who I'm expecting to see. With Air Force, there are two teams that I could expect to see. Either that super dominant rushing attack or a rushing attack that just seems to just get bottled up every every couple plays.
0: I'll go back to Fresno State, then we got to take a break. Um, my, my one thing on Fresno State is it, it's hard to read the Hainer effect in the comeback because Fife had been playing well the last couple of weeks as, as the backup quarterback with Hainer being out. And so, you know, I don't know if I could say if and especially when you talk about the, the hitch route, a lot of yak on it. Um I don't know if if Fife is in there if they also complete that comeback as compared to Hainer. And that and that's why I say I wait a week on it, uh, to make the determination on how much his impact really is going to be felt on this team. So and you know what? We'll get to learn it firsthand because Hawaii's at Fresno State coming up on Saturday. And, of course, our coverage of uh, Hawaii football, 2.30 with a countdown to kickoff from a big city diner at Windward Mall. Uh, Kick at 4.30. Of course, the game on television uh, relegated to FS2, uh, which which means, uh, hey, listen on the radio. It's on ESPN Honolulu. You've got it with us uh, all Saturday long. We'll check on traffic here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update coming up in a few. We've also got a look at surf, and we will open up the food court uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, also, uh, we're watching Monday Night Football. This is not close. Uh, this is this is a disappointing Monday Night Football game. Uh, Browns leading the Bengals. It's twenty-five to six. The only source of good news that has come from this game here in the last thirty seconds is that my thin thin hopes of uh, come from behind win. Got helped thanks to a Tyler Boyd touchdown reception just moments ago. Um, the problem is he caught the pass from the quarterback who is on the opposing team that I'm facing, and, uh, and and that is Joe Burrow. But it is it is just an ugly, ugly game. 25-6, they've entered the fourth quarter. Perfect for Halloween. It's on a CBS 1500. Oh, hey, look, our second missed extra point. Even better. Uh, we'll check on Surf. I'll get some more of your text, and we open up the food court. It's next on ESPN Honolulu. All right, we're going to open up the uh, food court here in a moment. It is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Texter from the 780 listening in. Tough loss. Talking about University of Hawaii football. Tough loss. Our struggles continue in the second half. I thought we had them. Um, There was never a point in the second half where I thought, oh, we got them right where we want them. Because... I I think we're just so accustomed to everything now where it's like, uh oh, second half is here. What team are we going to see in the second half? And unfortunately, I mean, I I do need to give a little credit that this was a little bit better. Um, seeing that this team did score points, had that field goal, that long drive in that first, um, you know, that that first drive of the second half, did get the touchdown late. This was a little bit better. Results still the same. Um, outscored in the second half. That's not, uh, not something to feel great about. Um, you know, when you're in a close game, that's, that's why we've talked about it so much. You're in a, you're in a close game. Um, if, if what you're doing is still currently not working, then you've got to do something to make it work. And, and right now it's not working. Um, what, what Hawaii offensively is in the second half. It, is, it has not been there for this team. All right, um, we do this every once in a while, and today on a uh, on a rainy day in the World Series, I figured it'd be a great time to uh, bring back the food court. For those that uh, are, are new to the show, the food court is where uh, we take food and we debate it. Was it, uh, is, is whoever was in charge of this food guilty or not guilty of a food crime? You know, not like we're being super serious about a food crime, but a food crime. And um, that's where we go today. Thanks to the rain day in the World Series, we go to Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia. Um, Brian Hulk, who, uh, who who covers the New York Yankees, is also on the World Series beat for, I think it's the New York Post or is it the New York Daily News, uh, one, of, one, one of those tabloids in New York. And uh, you figure, you know, while I'm there, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and try some of the weird food they have. And one of the things that they introduced this year was a PB&J burger. And uh, we are going to ask ourselves today, is this PB&J burger a food crime? Here's what it is in it. And and Tanner, you have seen the photo. Um, the PB&J burger, a burger. It's got um, this jalapeno kind of jam. Um, it's 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 green. It's very, very, very green. Um, it kind of looks like something that, um, I don't know, I saw on Nickelodeon, frankly. It's very green. It's got peanut butter in it. It's got bacon in it. And it's got American cheese. This is within the bun. So um, we open up to you via our Zephyr Insurance text line at, uh, at 808-296-1420. Is this PB&J burger sold by the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Park guilty or not guilty of committing a food crime? Tanner Hayworth. Um, I usually have the last say if we've got a tie, so I'll I'll let you as one of our jurors. Help come to a decision here. Guilty or not guilty on the PB&J burger?
1: I'm willing to give them a misdemeanor, if anything. So that's, that's, that's still it's guilty. Not, it's, I, I won't say this. It's the judge de- the, the judge determines the sentence. I will say this, then. It's guilty. Okay. But I will say guilty on not a major front. I don't think that there's anything taste-wise terrible. With this burger.
0: Now, keep in mind, we haven't eaten it. I haven't eaten it. We haven't it. gone to Philadelphia to eat it.
1: And the photo that we have of it is, you know, it's there. <laughs> um, I'm not sure whether or not there. I do have questions. You know, is the jalapeno jam is that more of a sweet thing? Because it kind of does look like a kind of a gelatinous uh, green salsa. Yeah, it looks like opinion. a gelatinous pickles. Right. So I see that is the peanut butter smooth. Is there nuts of any sort? Um,
0: it looks smooth to me.
1: It looks so my, or
0: or as, or as they would call it on the, on the jar, creamy, not chunky.
1: True. My issue with this is that, and I know this sounds really, uh, posh of me. Hey, we're in uncharted territory with this segment. So it looks, it's a little too messy for me. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different, uh, stuff oozing out. Okay. And I will say this. I like the concept. I think the concept could work. I worked. I was talking about it with you before mm-hmm. we came on air. It's
0: called like, show prep, people.
1: I like this. What if you do, the pickled jalapenos, okay. and instead of a jalapeno jam, you got the bacon already on there. Why not make a bacon jam? With that bacon jam, it's not oozing all over the place. Mm-hmm. It's a little more, it's not as liquidy, but it's still there. It provides that sweetness. It provides that saltiness. And I think that would go well with those pickled jalapenos. And the peanut butter is also there. I don't know what it adds or what it detracts from the burger. But I if I had to help reform the burger in prison, you know? If I was the if I was the therapist. You're trying to get this burger out on parole or what? I'm that's how I would get him out. I would say, Hey, you gotta change your ways a little bit. The jalapeno jam stuff that's a little too much, a little too out there. Okay. I think you just rein it in with a high quality bacon jam and I think you've got that in the bag, in my opinion.
0: Bacon jam you can't go wrong with. and I, I initially was someone that um, I was very I was very much a bacon traditionalist. What that means is, because whoever talks like that, uh, not liking to see bacon used in these outrageous ways like a bacon jam. Um, but I had, I I forget where it was that I had a bacon jam in a burger, uh, for the first time. And I thought, yeah, yeah, it's why was I so salty about it in the first place works. So, um, I, I was good with that. I'm, I'm good with a, um, jalapeno jam. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I think it, it comes down to though, um, how you balance it. You have to balance between that, that spiciness that comes from it. How much are you, how much sweetener are you kind of like, you know, tamping that down with, and then you have the, uh, the, the peanut butter in there that creates another kind of uh, profile. It's, um, it's a weird, weird clash. Um, I, I'll, I'll give you my verdict in a moment. Uh, another one of our jurors via our Zephyr insurance text line, Comes from the two three three says they use American cheese guilty. You don't agree with that no? American okay
1: American cheese. I'm sorry, uh texter that you're gonna get caught in this crossfire. And I don't mean to direct it at you in any just do, anything just personal. It, American it. cheese is the perfect cheese for a burger. It melt. It is. It is. It was invented to melt in a way that it's just perfect on a burger in my opinion you could like other cheeses that's totally fine i think if you're gonna go for a broad audience american cheese is the way to go i like i like it i'm more of a pepper jack guy myself but i will never refuse american cheese on a burger or in other foods either Mm -hmm. okay
0: um i i'm a pepper jack person as well um i'm just glad they didn't use cheddar uh, if we if we want to narrow down something, we'll we'll narrow that. You know, I you say. I mean, there's no middle ground here. Um, says oh, Texter says oh, come on, at least use cheddar. No, no, no. Let's not do cheddar with this. No. Um, okay. I would say
1: provolone would probably be the bad choice.
0: <laughs> yes. Or blue uh, cheese oh, or goat yeah, cheese. No, There's no. a
1: lot of wrong answers.
0: Blue cheese is the wrong answer uh, for this. I like blue cheese. I like a blue burger. For this, it is uh, that is the crime within the crime. That would be the accomplice to the murder would be the blue cheese. Um, you know, you've gone guilty. Um, you don't have a choice on whether it's a misdemeanor or not. It's it's guilty or not guilty. You have no choice there. Uh texter from the 233. Goes guilty. Um, I cannot judge what a juror thinks. Like what the heck? It's, it's my show. Yes, I can. I can judge what a juror thinks. It doesn't mean that uh, uh that that I can change the outcome. And so from the early voting here from our food court jury that uh, you all have uh, have the Citizens Bank Park folks and the Philadelphia Phillies guilty of a food crime, and that is creating this uh, this PB and J burger. You know it would, just would have really, really helped though? Um see, I, I I don't know if they're thinking like the Philly fanatic and the color of his face, you know, where you have that, that green that comes in. I don't know if you're you're thinking of that. Um, but you know, you always think like, Where where are you? Um, you you think of um your your location and kind of you know, looking at foods and colors and stuff like that. Could you have come up with a uh, with a different kind of jam that would fit, you know, Philly, for example, as compared to just thinking about like uh, green for the for the fanatic. So, you know, could you have come up with a let's say a uh, a, a raspberry jam instead of something with with jalapenos? Do something with with raspberry, uh, and then you put pepper jack cheese in that. I I don't know. Um, you know, the the guilty the, the the guilty verdict I'll add on to the presentation is less than stellar and the photo that we have on our Twitter is from the day that they presented these new items for the media to tell the 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 the, the customers about. Um and you know, when you put out a product that looks sloppy that I can't really give you the benefit of the doubt. Because it looks like you just kind of crumpled a bun together, and then you you put the burger, and then you just put slime, and then you decided to call it a PB&J sandwich, and as much as I would want to try it, because I do think it sounds kind of cool, it looks horrendous, and so I have have a, a little bit of a hard time. Giving it the credit that maybe it deserves, because yeah, it looks like a horrendously looking burger. And when you're at a ballpark and you're gonna spend probably about eighteen bucks in a burger, sometimes I don't I don't care about it as much being messy. Sometimes I do want to have a little bit of a visual to understand what I'm spending eighteen bucks on. And uh, looking at that on its presentation on opening day is not something I would spend eighteen bucks on. So um, I will I will take the guilty verdict. From the jury, unanimous. Um, I would have probably called it guilty as well. Uh, I will not give it the the full sentence, but I will say, uh, go back for repurposing. Uh, that would there. We don't need to. We don't need to send it to jail. We could just say community service, uh, AKA, a.k.a. go back in for repurposing, change a couple things, come back in a couple of months' time, and tell us. Uh, can you make it better? And can it look better? That's all I ask. Make it look better.
1: I feel like the main issue is this. The concept was peanut butter jelly burger. The issue when I when I'm thinking about concepts on how to make this better, the one thing that's stopping me is the peanut butter.
2: Really? Because,
1: because when I think about uh the jalapeno jam, sure, you could probably make that maybe like into a green chili and then that turns into like maybe like a different kind a like green chili salsa kinda like that. Now if I were to be in New Mexico,
0: I'd say yes. Exactly.
1: So then that's that was my thought process. But I'm thinking, okay, is there a way to m- make this peanut butter work more? Because I'm thinking with that jam, the jalapeno jam and the peanut butter, that's a lot of sweet on sweet. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that would be overpowering. So then my brain is like, okay, is there a way to turn the peanut butter into something else? Because my idea, I personally... I'm kind of revving myself up here. I really do like the idea, bacon jam, the pickled jalapenos, but everything that's stopping me is the peanut butter. Hmm. Because think about it. If you've been into a burger uh, with peanut butter in it, what what do you think that tastes like? Because I don't know what that tastes like. I don't
0: know either, but I, I would be interested in trying it. Um, yeah. I, I honestly think I if I were at Citizens Bank Park, I probably would buy it. Um, just to say I could give an accurate report on what it's like. I I probably would. Um, But that doesn't necessarily uh, mean that it it had some flubs along the way. Let's check our M. Dyer Global scoreboard. It's brought to you by M. Dyer Global moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, Monday night football is looking like Monday night something. Um, There's an onside kick. It goes out of bounds. Yeah, not close. Uh, The Cincinnati Bengals trailing the two and five Cleveland Browns 32 to 13 640 to go in the fourth quarter uh we're watching this game because a it's on B my uh, my fantasy team and my ability to win this week is heavily reliant on a heavy dose of kareem hunt uh with <laughs> well with the Browns up 19. how much of Kareem hunt are you actually going to get here uh, in a 19 point game as I'm down nine. Uh, I'm staring another loss very square in the face, and I have been bad uh, in fantasy football this year. But it's uh, 32-13, Cleveland leading Cincinnati, 640 to go in the fourth quarter. You can hear it on CBS 1500. Uh, You can watch it on ESPN television. NBA, um, games in progress, 225 to go in the third. Utah leading Memphis, 86-65, 754 to go in quarter number one. It is uh, the Clippers leading Houston 10-8. to 8. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global. Moving Hawaii into the future. We'll check out traffic here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up, a lot of talk about what happened in the tunnel uh, with the Michigan-Michigan State game. And what's happened the last couple of weeks. Um, And and I know the easy process is to criticize the process. But why we're not doing any favors by focusing on, you know, the process. Uh, That's coming up in about 10 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm Josh Pacheco in for Chris and Gary. They will see you tomorrow morning. All of our guests when they appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Uh, John texts in uh talking about our uh, our food court. Uh, he's a little bit late, but um we we've we've got a guilty verdict on uh on on the PB and j burger there at Citizens Bank park in Philadelphia. The biggest reason really is the the jalapeno jam. Uh, but John says unless you waste food, there is no food crime. Oh John, that might not be the case. You're thinking very, very like, Nice guy. Uh you can't do no wrong just don't harm the planet. Uh there are food crimes, John. Uh if there weren't then we would never have this segment. Food crimes exist all the time. Uh just just go to your next potluck. And you'll you'll find out, right Tanner? What what you just said, Tanner? Tanner writes here on the board. He's never had an unseasoned potato salad at a family function before. Uh <laughs> yes. Uh by the way, um guilty verdict in the food court is when you put too much in your potato MAC salad. When you can't keep your potato MAC salad simple, that's a food crime. That is a that is a guilty verdict, Tanner.
1: I would also like to say that was just a uh hypothetical. <laughs> My mom, <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, I was just trying to say that, haha. You've never had this before.
0: Now that it's all over the radio, he's backtracking. I am backtracking. <laughs> I like
1: genuinely, my mom makes the best mac potato salad. It's honestly really good. I was just trying to say that as a haha hypothetical. Didn't think you would actually read that alone.
0: Hey. What's on the board? Not safe on the board. That's that's the on-air board. you been
1: reading the board a lot more recently in, in this week than the other weeks. So all I'm saying. This is,
0: this is very true. Uh, John says, sounds weird, but at one time, bacon jam was weird. I mean, I thought so. Or guacamole burger was weird. Still is. Uh, I would try it because I like peanut butter. There are Filipino meat dishes that have peanut butter. Thai peanut sauce. You dip meat into that. Someone should do a copycat here and try it. I, I I um I love Thai food. I love um you know that, that peanut sauce. So yeah, um I, I've had Thai dishes with a really, really good peanut sauce. And um, you know, I think it it works, but it's not just that simple as like peanut butter done. Um you know, I, I, I think it works in certain ways. So uh, you know, I, I understand what, what John's saying. But uh, I, I think it can be a little more complicated than, oh, okay, just, you know, put put peanut, peanut butter here and, you know, so on. Uh, one more. Uh, this is from Patrick. Heard the tail end of uh, of the food court and burger food crimes. Criteria from an American perspective, says Patrick. I had a kimchi burger in Korea, a ramen burger in Japan, and a cricket burger in Thailand. It was all awesome. Um, I believe I've had a ramen burger. I did not go to Japan for it. I remember when. Remember when it was a big deal? There was a place that um, uh, it, it was. It's it's one of the chains that they franchise. I don't need to name names here, um, but they had the ramen burger where the buns were ramen patties. Remember that?
1: L and L in Colorado Springs does it. And
0: there you go. Um, I remember having that on Maui.
1: I had to tell a friend that that is not a normal thing that we eat in Hawaii (laughs) because he went to the, he is, who is from Colorado and eats that all the time, he says. And I had to tell him, hey, man, this is not a real thing we eat. I've never seen this before. And he's like, no way. And I'm like, yeah. You know.
0: It's um, kind of like the pineapple on pizza. I I was just about to say that when people think pineapples are a uniquely Hawaiian thing
1: thanks like, canada
0: yeah no and and thanks television stereotypes for continuing that uh but the cricket burger in thailand is a no um it is a 1000% no it's like crickets at t mobile field in in seattle it is a 1000% no um i i'm i'm just you will not get me to, to go there no dare will will make me go there uh sports center and we turn to college football Coming up on the other side it's espn honolulu You know, I wasn't sure whether the uh, the food court segment with the uh, PB&J burger would run. Uh, it ran pretty well. In fact, we got more texts on that. We'll uh, we'll share with you coming up in a little while. We'll get back to University of Hawaii football here in the final hour of the show. And uh, we'll get you ready for more of the extended Freddie and Fitzsimmons radio program uh, here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm Josh Pacheco. If you're wondering, uh, game three of the World Series rained out today. Game three now tomorrow. Game four Wednesday and uh, Game 5 now on Thursday. Thursday was supposed to be an off day. Uh, they didn't want to compete with Thursday Night Football. Well, guess what? Now you are. Uh, now they are competing with Thursday Night Football uh, on uh, on Prime Video. So uh, uh, we'll have uh, a lot of stuff. And, of course, Thursday, Thursday is the uh, men's basketball exhibition, Hawaii and U.H. Hilo. Tomorrow, uh, the Rainbow Wahine basketball exhibition, uh, Hawaii and Hawaii Pacific. We'll have both exhibition matches here uh, on ESPN, Honolulu this week, so uh, we're excited to get basketball back into the fold here on uh, on our family of radio stations. Uh, we'll get back to the food court in a little while, but I, I I did want to spend a little time on something a little more serious, and uh, that's what's t- what what took place at Michigan last weekend. And uh, you might have seen the video; it's been all over social media. That is the um, really the 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 ganging up on. A Michigan football player by I, I I've seen four upwards of six different Michigan State players um feet from the locker room uh there at the stadium in Michigan at the big house. And um we heard from Jim Harbaugh today, uh after Michigan State, well, not not immediately after, but Michigan State yesterday announced that um several players would be suspended indefinitely for, uh, for the incident, um, Jim Harbaugh, I, 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 did note in, in his press conference today, not the part where he said he expected, uh, criminal charges because to me, that's, that's pretty obvious. Um, but also the fact that, and, and I recall, um, Jim Harbaugh saying he hadn't heard from Mel Tucker, Michigan State's head coach, and I know, you know, Mel Tucker had gone out and and said they don't stand for this and and he said, and I quote, um Michigan State University football core values include integrity, discipline, unselfishness, toughness, and accountability. Um that that's not enough. Um as a football coach, you know, you can't – and your school, um, you cannot hide behind a statement. You know, the one thing about everything that's going on now is that video cameras exist. Um, you have to know that you, wherever you are, you are being filmed, um, whether you actually are or not. You are being filmed. Your every move is being watched, and you need to be on your best behavior. Um, what happened? Yes, I I agree with Jim Harbaugh is criminal, absolutely. Uh, but what I think is being missed here is the absolute accountability. Um, when I hear an indefinite suspension is which an In indefinite suspension to me sounds more like we're going to wait for authorities to review everything before we actually do something more than this because for me um I see that as an immediate you're done you're you're kicked off the team you're done you know that's a cheapo move your team lost um I don't care um if there was anything you know if there was stuff said I don't I don't know one person and, you know, another individual was, um, you know, trying to, um, you know, was, was involved in there as well. It's two people. One was trying to help. And you got a whole bunch around. That is, um, you know, that, that's, that, that to me is, is unfortunate. And it's not something that that a university should stand for. And I would like to see more accountability for Michigan State, and I'd like to see more accountability from, from those student-athletes. You know what, um, what I would like to see not happen, though? I hear a lot of people putting the blame on Michigan's stadium situation, that it has one tunnel, and that you have both teams going around and 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 you know going in at the same time and by the way let's do some prep here because i've noticed there are people not doing a whole bunch of prep this happened after the game this is not when both teams were heading up the tunnel most of michigan state was up the tunnel a lot of the michigan players were celebrating on the field so this was done when the majority of the wolverines weren't even there You got one or two guys who are going up the tunnel. Maybe they were done high-fiving and celebrating with their teammates. They wanted to get in the locker room. Maybe they had to use the bathroom. I don't know. But they were going up the tunnel before everybody else. It wasn't both teams going up the tunnel at the same time. And I heard that earlier today, and I remember watching the video, and I thought, that is further from the truth. This is not one of those incidents of a crowded tunnel. It may have been crowded for one team but it was a cheap shot to go at least what it was it 4 on 2 6 on 2 whatever it is no no that is to me that has nothing to do with the problem of two teams going up a tunnel that's how are you going to act that is how are you going to handle yourself as a young adult you lose a game i don't know what else was said i don't i don't know anything but um that's how you're going to handle yourself as a young adult in that situation. One of the players takes his helmet, swings the helmet and strikes one of those players. That's how you're going to handle yourself. That's not a Michigan problem. In fact, let me go further on that. For because it it also seems like there's a whole bunch of revisionist history here. This is not a new stadium. The big house has been around for a long time. And it's not like this whole both teams go up the same tunnel thing is new. It's not. It has been happening for years upon years upon years. And have there been skirmishes and dust-ups before? Yes, there have been. I don't recall anything that is quite like what happened on Saturday, but that's not two teams going up the tunnel at the same time. That's one team and another couple of individuals. That's very different. But this whole idea of, well, they've got to do something about this tunnel thing. I mean, sure, um, it is not ideal, but this historic place of college football has had this as a thing now for many, many years. Why all of a sudden now are we seeing an incident week after week after week where I don't recall this being something we talked about last year, week after week after week, or in 2019, week after week after week. When do we put accountability on student athletes, when do we put accountability on, um, people handling their business the right way instead of immediately deflecting the accountability away from those that did wrong and just immediately saying, oh, it's the process. Oh, it's the tunnel. I get it. Sure. Is this ideal? No, but why were there fewer problems before? Why are there only problems now? Now, I think what you can do, and I think what Michigan will probably have to answer for, is, okay, there have been these problems. I think there have been reports of, a, of an increase in security. Um, you know, but, but how does it happen? There, there is security in the hallway. I should also note, that hallway is very narrow. And if you saw the, uh, the, the four-and-a-half-minute clip that was posted on Twitter today that had ABC's camera in the tunnel... Like I said earlier in this segment, folks, you play college football at the FBS level. You're seen. Your every move is being seen. You cannot act like you can get away with something because oh, I'm in the tunnel. Or um you know, oh, it's no one's looking. You know how many cameras they have? In, in college football games across the country, depending on who's broadcasting the games and depending if it's prime time or not, there are sometimes over 20 cameras at one game. And you know what? Kudos to ESPN and ABC. They had a camera in the tunnel. And it was the high view camera. And I don't know if it was placed there simply because of the, the events of the last month with Penn State and, and, and others, but they had a camera in the tunnel. Now, I don't know if these Michigan State players cared or not, but you should kind of know there have been things that have happened in the tunnel. And it is high scrutiny. And here you are in said tunnel deciding to act like a bunch of jerks and beat up two Michigan players. What's four on two, six on two? I, I couldn't count at that point. You go swing a helmet like you think, oh, no one's around. There was a media reporter videoing it on his camera. That's how he first learned of it. It is uh, mind-boggling that we're at this point. And it is even more concerning, given the issues in the last month, that we are here, that it has only escalated, it has only gotten worse, it hasn't gotten better. But this is where I feel like we have to remind people sometimes um don't divert the attention away from the actual problem. You know, the the is it is it not great that there is one tunnel and both locker rooms are separated by the other side by by the other side of the hallway. I mean yeah, it's not ideal. This is also not a new stadium. And I I'd, I'd like to think that um in years past Teams and players had a heck of a lot more respect for each other, which is probably why these whole week after week after week things doesn't sound like this happened a lot before. Um, It only sounds like it's at its worst now. Hmm. I feel like we should talk about that a little bit more. Instead, no, we're focusing on a darn tunnel. Focus on the actions of the student-athletes. It sounds to me like Michigan wants to figure it out. It sounds to me like they want to get security in a better position. Sometimes, look, quite frankly, you can control halftime. All right? You can control halftime. When you can say one team goes into the locker room at one time, and you hold off the other, and then you have the other team go into the locker room after the first team goes in. You can have referees handle that. You can have stadium security handle that. You can do that at halftime. That works. End of game, when you got one full team going in and a couple of guys that just want to go in on their own and it's not this uniform two teams going in at the same time, that is not stadium. That is not a security problem. That is not a problem of... Uh, of of a of, you know a, a an organizational issue that is a student athlete problem, and I think you have to focus your ire that way. Focus on the issue of the student athlete. Um, you know, not blaming it on Michigan's infrastructure. Let's say hi to Thomas at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. Thomas, how are you?
2: I'm good, Josh. I'm good. I'm just uh, I'm happy about Michigan's win as a diehard Michigan fan, but I am utterly repulsed by what happened in the tunnel. I mean, look, this was absolutely moribund. I mean, Michigan State got destroyed. I love seeing that, but then they want to act like a bunch of tough guys and gang up on one kid. That that is absolutely pathetic. That cannot happen. And I would have said that if Michigan State beat up on Michigan and Michigan players decided to gang up on this. So this isn't a, oh, because I'm a Michigan fan, I'm disgusted right. by it. No, Michigan players did this, I'd have been just as disgusted, and would want the same exact treatment and consequences on them. So they want to beat the tar out of someone, well, beat the tar out of them on the field. Don't just wait until you're in the tunnel and beat up on some kid, Uh, you know, nine on one, 10 on one, whatever that was. And i mel tucker needs to take some blame for this if i'm the president of michigan state i mean he's the one who came out first before mel tucker said yep. anything so uh if, if i'm the president of michigan state i'm calling him up over the weekend and saying hey mel my office before you go into your office you're going into mine on monday morning and we're going to talk about this we're going to talk about how we're going to make sure this never happens again so good on mel tucker for giving no excuses apologizing for the incident and also suspending the players that were involved. Uh, now, obviously, as you know, it, it, he can't do anything about uh, prosecution. That's on the district attorney. Of course. But, uh, yeah, I don't think we've heard the last of this. So, uh, just, yeah, this, this was a disgusting sight after that game. Uh, that, that's what I have to say about that.
0: Thomas, I appreciate your call. Thank you for listening. And and I'm I'm glad, you know, you can be partisan about a result, um, but you can be a human when it comes to human beings. Um, You know, when you see something like that happen outside a locker room, that is not, um, that's not fandom at that point. That's that's just disgusting behavior. The players suspended, by the way, Tank Brown, Kerry Crump, Angela Gross, and Zion Young. And uh, there's actually a story that came out uh, a, a couple of hours ago, as police are investigating this, um, there was a, a story from, uh, from The Athletic. Um, one of the players who was involved, uh, one of the parents of one of the players who was involved, uh, the mother of, of uh, McBurrows, one of the Michigan players, who says, and I quote, Who would expect in a rivalry game with police officers to not protect these kids? At a big game like this, who would have ever expecting the uh, expected this close quote? Uh, by the way, uh, that player has a broken nose, and it's not sure if he will pursue legal action. That's the thing, you know. I don't. I don't want to put blame on police officers. Go ahead, if you have a moment. I don't, and, and not not that I really want you to, but um, if you want to prep up on this. Go ahead and go find the video from the Detroit Free Press writer on social. Um, go ahead and find the four and a half minute ESPN uh, slash ABC video. And you tell me, before you sit there and blame police officers, oh, why why weren't there police officers better protecting that situation? Just a couple seconds in in that locker room, You tell me with all of those bodies in there what a police officer could have done to stop that assault. You tell me because you even had, I think, like Michigan assistants and they realized they couldn't get in there. It was was pathetic. And honestly, I'm going to call out some of the other Michigan State players. And I don't know how many of them. I'm not going to begin to count. But in watching that four-and-a-half-minute video earlier today, you got some Michigan State players who just kept walking. They kept walking into their locker room. They didn't stop and try to stop it. They didn't want to stop their own teammates from the stupidity of what they were doing. I saw one, like I think it was an offensive lineman, just look at it and then kept walking right into the locker room, and a few others kept following and walking right into the locker room, and just let it happen. At that point, that has nothing to do with being a teammate. That's called being an individual. That's called being a good kid. And if you're willing to just see a mugging happen and just walk away, when you're in a position where you can step in front because it's your teammates doing it, if you're willing to walk away from that, then there's a serious problem there too. And that's another one that Mel Tucker's got to address. So you you see that, and, and you try to come back, and I, and I know it's hard, and I don't want to criticize a parent of someone who just had their son attacked. I get that. But I'm not going to sit here and blame police. Watch that again, and you tell me what police could have done in that situation inside that tunnel. We'll check on traffic here. This is the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. All right, Sports Center coming up here. Uh, we'll come back with more of your texts. Uh, back to UH football coming up in a little while as well. First look at traffic. It's a busy, busy traffic day. This is ESPN Honolulu. Great to have you in. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. in for Chris and Gary. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM. And 1420 AM, we've just kind of been all over the place today. Um, really kind of a makeshift show. We've done our uh, Mountain West Power Rankings as normal. Uh, Boise State at number one, Hawaii remaining at number 11. Uh, you can check those rankings out on our Twitter. Uh, that is at Josh on the Radio. Um, also, uh, we've kind of looked back a little bit of baseball. Game three rained out today. Game three now tomorrow. Game four Wednesday Uh, Game five on Thursday, which you'll hear uh, all those games right here on ESPN Honolulu. And we've spent some time on University of Hawaii football. I wanted to get to, uh, I I think I can get this in. Uh, This is from David, who who messaged the show. David, how are you? Says, uh, so far in our two wins, we scored 14 or more points in the first half. All All losses were 13 or less. In all games, our offense goes flat after halftime, and we get the third quarter blues. That falls on the O.C. Our defense is on the field too long. Then in our losses, we score, but it's too little too late. If the key is to score touchdowns in the first half, those two trick plays and eventual field goal could have made a difference in the outcome. Okay, let, let, let's talk about the trick plays. Um, the one in particular, and I know there were a few, um, the one that stands out in my mind was uh, the, the the pass to El Manning. Now... Um, I don't know. I still don't know what to think. Two days after that, and and I was standing on the sideline, and I I don't was I standing next to Hunter Hughes? I think I was. I think I was standing next to Hunter. And I, I was just perplexed. Like you know, I I'm I'm all for opening up the playbook a little bit. I'm I'm all for trying to, um, you know, trying to advance. Uh, you know try to do something different try to have a little bit of fun you know try to catch a defense off guard I, i'm i'm all for that um but part of what i'm looking for too is i'm kind of looking for like this this rhyme or reason to uh, to do it and you know are, are you doing it because you see something that you feel like you can exploit are you just doing it because you want to you know reward somebody like you know what what are we doing? Um, and sometimes you'll find, and, and I'm still trying to figure it out. Sometimes you will find when you run a trick play, like if you run a, a you know, you you, you run a, a half back pass or you run a sweep. Like I'm thinking of the Niners yesterday. We were watching uh, the Niners in the Rams game over at uh, at Wet and Wild out in uh, out in a. and you know Christian McCaffrey with his touchdown pass when you when you pitch it to him on the right side or when you, I'm sorry, you know, pitch it, when you, you you lateral it backward, McCaffrey on the right side, and he he passes it down the field for the touchdown. Like, it makes total sense. You know, Christian McCaffrey is such a threat that you're expecting him to go downhill, to run it, you're expecting him to hold on to it. All eyes now all of a sudden attach themselves to Christian McCaffrey, where, you know, now CMC's got it, and he is stopped. He's in a position as such a great athlete where you can throw the football down the field and he gets a touchdown out of it, it makes sense. A trick play like that makes a whole lot of sense because you are now kind of changing what a defense is thinking when you've got someone who is so explosive. um, You've now drawn them up. You've drawn them up to think he's going to run it forward, so they're now all probably expected to come in and try to get in on a tackle on CMC, where instead... He's throwing it deep down the field for you know for for a touchdown pass. I have nothing against throwing the football to offensive linemen. Nothing. Uh, I like seeing offensive linemen get rewarded to give them opportunities to, to get in the box score for reasons other with other than uh, pancake blocks. But you kind of have to answer and and. You know, part of it is 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 scoring. Part of it is momentum. When you call a play like that, uh, for example, passing the ball to 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 Ill Manning when you have him lined up as a um, as an eligible receiver, which I didn't even know because we're so used to in the NFL they announce it right. The referee goes on the mic and, and announces it in front of everybody so- and so is reporting as an eligible receiver. Usually you have that. I don't recall hearing the referee in this game do that. I don't know if I don't think you have to in college anyway. So um you know you you have to answer at that point as to what um, what that play is ultimately going to provide you and I'm not just talking about like the very next play, but i'm also talking about, what you are seeing that running a trick play like that is going to benefit you, um, you know, in the next drive, two drives from now. Um What are you seeing that will help you win instead of, let's just say, running a play to the benefit of running a play? And, you know, doing something cool, doing something different because... You, know, you, you can. That's kind of what you're looking for here. And, you know, I I, I wasn't sure that I was going to get into the, um, get into the whole trick play thing. I wasn't sure that I wanted to. I, I thought there were a lot bigger things, I think, to talk about outside of just, you know, talking about a, a trick play here and a trick play there. But I think in a close game, uh, I... I think you do ask yourself just a little bit, like you know, you're 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 doing that for what benefit? Um, what do you want out of that, both short term and, um, and 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 long-term? and long term? And and I guess it wasn't necessarily a pass play; it was a backwards pass. So it was a it was designed as a running play to Ill Manning. I should correct myself; it wasn't technically a pass play; it was a second and 10 running play for Il Manning who got no yards like that stings and so you're at, you're at the Wyoming 11 that play nets you nothing you're then put in a third down which is kind of like an obvious passing down on third and 10 in a short field on a on a third and 10 at the 11 and you're you throw an incomplete pass. You're at that point. You're up seven nothing. Um, you know, and and now you've got to settle for three. When you would have loved to get more. That's what I mean. Like, cute. Yes, Ilm had it in his hands. Cool, happy for him. He got a he got a rush on his ledger. You're what 2 and 2 and 6 at that point in time now 2 and 7 and you want to find ways to win you want to find ways to get into the end zone and not settle for 3 and you're going to call that play that play better get you something that if you're not going to get into the end zone it gets you to a third down in some sort of minimal range where the running where the running game is still intact where the where where the opportunity to run the football um you know, can possibly get you a first down, get you more chances to get into the end zone and extend a lead. And that didn't happen. Scott Texton, desperation play call in is is what he calls it at our Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. I don't think that was a desperation play call. It was, I, I, I don't know what it was. It was, in theory, nice. If it could have gotten yardage, I think we'd be talking about this very differently. But realistically, when a 2-6 and six football team is trying to run a play in which an offensive lineman is getting a backward pass uh, and an opportunity for a rushing attempt and then um, ultimately gets zero yards in the red zone and the team is left for a field goal two plays later, you know, we can't really call it a nice or cute play at that point. Um, we kind of you kind of have to call it a wasted play. How much better would you feel being up 14 nothing or the chance a better chance to be up 14 nothing instead of 10 nothing um, early in the second quarter? That would make you feel a lot better to get to that position uh, to be there. Our number, 808-296-1420. Uh, we'll get to more of your texts, and, uh, and we'll wind down the show coming up in just a moment. Right now, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, the final game of week eight in the National Football League is in the books, thankfully, because it was not uh, it was, it was not really good. That means uh, if, if you were freaked out by that performance, trick-or-treating may not be for you tonight. Uh, Browns win over the Bengals 32-13. to 13. Uh, The Bengals are now 4-4. Four and four. And uh, Joe Burrow's now got to look at that shirt that he wore uh, walking into the tunnel that said Boo in front and uh, see if it scares him when he looks at it front-facing. Uh, Browns now 3-5. and five. NBA, um, not a big slate of games here on Halloween. Uh, one game underway at halftime, Houston leading the Los Angeles Clippers 52-51. Winners today, Sacramento in Charlotte, 115-108. Philly uh, in Washington, winning 118-111. The Brooklyn Nets, a 116-109 winner over the Indiana Pacers. Toronto, 139. Atlanta, 109. Milwaukee, 110-108 over Detroit. And Utah, 121-105 winner over the Memphis Grizzlies. That's your M. Dyer Global scoreboard brought to you by M. Dyer Global Always on the move. One final look at traffic on a very busy Monday. You are listening to the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu. This is probably the closest I'll get to doing anything Halloween. Is... uh, (laughs) Is Michael Jackson's Thriller uh, right over your right over your ear holes uh, on this Monday? It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at ninety-two point seven FM and uh, fourteen twenty AM. Yeah, I'm not a um, I'm not a I don't dress up. You know, I I feel like I'm at that age where dressing up for Halloween just kind of just doesn't really feel like worth it. I don't know. Um, going out to eat sounds better. Uh, just like, just like treat it as another night out, night out and, um, watch people do what they do. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of what it, it feels like to me, or at least Halloween has become for me, not, not being the introvert me, but more so like, what am I going to do? I'm going to dress up and then what? Stay home. I don't know. I am not, I'm not going to go door to door and trick or treat. That's weird. So I I think it's it, it might be that like that I'm not the not middle aged but not like young thinking, like and, and not having kids is really what what do you do? Um, make plans to be doing stuff that mo- most people might do, but probably not tonight. I have no idea uh, what I'm doing on Halloween. Tanner, what are you doing uh, for for Halloween?
1: That's a. Great question. See? Not the only one. Well, I just haven't had... Usually... Well, you're working until 7.30. Yeah, I'm working until 7.30, and I got to wake up Not early
0: tomorrow morning. Not that we needed to tell morning. everybody your work schedule today, but you're working until 7.30. Well,
1: I think every... I. Well, then I got to wake up early tomorrow morning. That's right. A part of me is just like, well, I feel like I'm just going to get dinner and go home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'd... I hate to be a buzzkill, but unfortunately, you know, I have... For my soul it sucks but hey my my bank's loving it
0: I think <laughs> I think there would be people who would love to do something but they're at the point in life where like yeah I can't
1: I will say it, it would my my uh, parents are both dressed up for my uh, they're gonna go over I think to my sister's house you know hang out with the nephews my nephews they're you know grandchildren I think they're dressed up as uh, as minions. Oh, that yeah. But okay. they're 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 handmade. My mom likes to you know stitch and do all that stuff. So I got to see a preview of it. It looked pretty good. I would give that a solid A. I think on my mom's work because I don't know why I would give anything lower because that would not be a fun time at home. Yeah, um... but I'm a big Halloween guy. I would dress up if I could, but it's not like I'm gonna go out and show people. I'm the only people I'm gonna show is you.
0: True. Um, I, I, you know, I, I just don't see really the point in. Uh, um, I don't really see have the point fun, in. Josh, I, I can have fun in other ways instead of instead of looking like a fool. Um, and my lack of you creativity. would look, I think
1: you you have to have the confidence of not looking like a fool. If you go into it with one hundred percent confidence, you look amazing. If you go into it with thinking like you are going to look like a fool. You're going to look like a fool.
0: There's uh, there's probably a point to that. I learned
1: that from a wide receivers coach. Something about visualization.
0: Which wide receivers coach could this be? I think it was my JV oh.
1: football team. <laughs> I took a sports psych <laughs> class at Punahou once. So it was actually a really great time.
0: Not bad. Not bad. Speaking of um, um, confidence, running a backward pass to Il Manning. Uh, in the red zone, uh, chemo via Twitter or via te- uh, text line at 808-296-1420. That backward pass to Ill Manning was poorly executed and a bad call at that point in the game. You know, I, I think back to the, uh, the 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 fake punt a couple of a uh, couple of home games ago, and I remember at that time, like you're thinking, wait 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 wait, what's what's happening here now? Like, why are we running this play? And what are we gaining out of it like you think of it at that time and that's a little bit different the, the the fake punt run that's a little bit different because it's out of the blue it's on a fourth down it's that or punt you or or pass it's one of three things but um you know you have to know whether you're the punter calling your own number you're the special teams coach saying hey um I see this let's do it like there is, there's almost a science to making that determination that, hey, we're going to not punt it, and our punter is going to run for the hills and hope someone stops him after he gets the first down because he ain't running to the end zone. But let's just hope he gets enough for the first down. There is a science to that. I don't know what science there is in a backward pass to your offensive lineman. And we'd be saying so much different if Ill Manning scored a touchdown. I realize that. But the chances of that are very, very low. In fact, I think the chances of a punter on a fourth down faking a punt and running for a first down is probably higher than a pass to your offensive lineman on a backward pass getting into the end zone. Uh, so th- there is a... Uh, there there's a clear science to that that I think you uh you, you kinda have to figure out and understand. And um, uh, you know, it, it's also a reminder, every play, uh, not just scripted but unscripted, every play has a rhyme or reason. There is a point to why you do something. You don't just do something just to do something. There is a there is a point to it, and you have to figure out what that is before and after you do it. And and that's why even that particular play I think is um, is is still a little baffling, you know. We uh, we've spent a lot of time on the show today. We've gone through uh, the food court with the PB and J burger. You can keep that discussion going on our Twitter at Josh on the Radio. We've done our uh, Mountain West power rankings today. We have spent a lot of time on uh, on University of Hawaii football. We've uh, we've we've done a lot of that. Um, you know, what we didn't spend a lot of time on is um, you know the National Football League from this weekend and specifically watching Marcus Mariota uh, take his team to the top of the division in the uh, the NFC South and watching Tutonga Vailoa with a double-digit uh, come from behind win uh, for the Miami Dolphins and and in two teams in in various different ways of doing it and and frankly as we wrap up the show today I'll focus on where most people haven't been. Everybody's talking about Tua because of his skill, because he's younger, because he's also coming off of that horrific injury a few, you know, about a month ago. Everybody's talking about him and also the expectations. Um, I don't want to make this any bigger than what it actually is, but let's talk about Marcus Mariota and what the Atlanta Falcons are doing in a suboptimal division. 4-4 and and alone in first place. And I'll be honest, part of me thought that at some point this season, Marcus Mariota would not be the starter. That there is a possibility that he might relinquish the starting role to Desmond Ritter if he struggled. Because there was nothing that told us Marcus Mariota would be the guy, that he'd be able to hold on to the job. He's getting another opportunity, a second lease on life as a starting quarterback. Well, look at what he's done here in um, in the last few weeks, the team that started 0 2 is now on four of its last six. You know they get some help from Carolina's kicker. They win in overtime. They've got a great win against the San Francisco 49ers. They've got what looks like a really good win against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, going back to week three. And and Marcus is being him. He's not being any different. You see him have that big run in overtime that set up the winner. Um, Mariota's being himself, and and that's the thing that I want to focus on, because that was his career high in yardage he had passing, Um, but Marcus was being vintage him, and if he can continue to be that, Falcons can be really interesting to watch in the back half of the year. Don't forget our Scoring Live high school football scoreboard every Friday and Saturday night on our digital media platforms. We will see you uh, after the World Series tomorrow. It's ESPN Honolulu.